What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio, and today we are talking about the book Glamour Magic, The Witchcraft Revolution to Get What You Want by Deborah Castellano. So a little bit about Deborah, which is what I do. Well, first of all, the book is from 2017, and she's from Bridgewater, New Jersey. So hey, neighbors. Um, she's been a contributor to different occult sources, such as Witchbox, Pagan Square, and Witches and Pagans. So she's written for a lot of different places. And this is just one of her books. I um, I found her website. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading her about on her website. And mm-hmm. I think uh, this fun little tidbit gives so much context for this book. She was Dianic and split from Z Budapest after the whole are trans women allowed in Dianic spaces thing. So I think that knowing that makes this book even more, makes it make sense more based on that right. like experience right. that she had. And also good for we, you, girl. Yeah. Because we've talked about the problem with Z Budapest, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We so, don't like her. She's a turf. That's the, just for those of you yeah. who haven't listened to the previous episodes. Speaking of turfs, I'm still surprised that so many people post Harry Potter stuff. Like, I get yeah. that it was part of your childhood or whatever, but at some point you have to say to yourself, what? I saw a really good TikTok about this the other day where it was like, millennials are, are one of the first generations where we don't just give up the things that we loved when we were young. Like, mm-hmm. it's we don't turn 30 and then suddenly it's like, oh, I can't like Harry Potter anymore. Whereas I think in the older generations, there was more pressure that like, if you still were participating in those things that like you're weird or that's not normal. Um, but the problem is, is that because millennials have been holding on to these things for now, again, 30 to 40 years, it's that much harder to let go of them. Right. So it's, we did this almost as a defense mechanism to be like, we're not, I'm not giving up Disney. I'm not giving up Harry Potter. But now it's like, Guys, you have to give it up because it's it's bad. Not because somebody's telling you you're weird. Like, you're allowed to be weird. You just also have to be a, a respectful and decent human being. And first of all, I'm really... I'm, it's, it's, okay, this is something that grinds my gears. Um, everybody's like, millennials this, millennials that. I'm sorry. Generation X. You're the forgotten generation. But it's like, well, we're still the generation that, you know was getting tattooed, was getting pierced, was doing their hair, was, you know, being part of an alternative to mainstream society and collecting comic books and playing video games. True that video games were ass, but that's all we had. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's like the idea that, oh, millennials are the first generation that didn't give things up. Really? Come to my house and tell me that I've given up all the stuff that I liked okay. when I was young. But Younger. I'm not that old. You... I'm not the oldest in Generation X. Generation X is pretty big, guys. <laughs> Some people think that I was born in 1964 or something like that. I will also say, though, you are different, right? Like, a lot of Gen X grew up and, like, decided, I'm okay, now I'm going to put on my suit. There was that joke in, what was it, Portlandia that's about the true. punks that, like, go wicker shopping now. Like, that yeah. was much okay, more Okay, that's common. me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you guys, like, laid the groundwork. For millennials to be like, no. And now Gen Z is like, actually, you should have, you you should have let go of that. You should have moved on. Gen Z is just roasting us so bad. It's, it's rough. And I didn't want to talk about Gen Alpha. 
I just don't want to even go there no, because they're, nope, they're nope, just, no, 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 yeah, no, they have, no, they, no. they, no, they shouldn't be speaking we'll skip it. anything. No, yeah. they're, they're literally children. But you're right. I mean, I actually see people, you know what? It's weird. I think it's because of the company I keep and mm-hmm. the friends that I have yes. that, you know, we see the world this way. So when I meet somebody who's my age or somebody who's just that generation and they're not like me, I'm just like, I'm bored now. Yeah. And my friends can tell when my eyes just glaze over and I'm just like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm somebody asks, you actually. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, like somebody wants to have a conversation about my car. Like, what do you think about your car? And I was like, it takes me to work and it yeah. takes me where I want to be. Like, I don't really think about my car. People do try to talk to me about adult things. It's also why my house looks the way it does because I'm not yeah. like, so like really cool into and fun. That's why your house looks no, like I just. That. Thank you. But I just mean like, I don't really like, Yeah, I'm not looking at how to fix it up and do things. Yeah. I mean, I am, but I'm not, you know what I mean? So yeah. And forget it. Once people have kids, like unless I'm trying to think of, I know one person who stayed cool after having a kid. One. Okay. After that. Yeah, I get it. I get like, it. Okay. Like you become a normie. Yeah. You got to be a role yeah. model for your child and you role model what the but is it not being a normie being the best role model for your child to show them that there's different ways to live and it's okay and it's so, healthy? Yes, I don't disagree with that. But also, as a incredibly weird human being, nothing scares me more than raising my child to be an incredibly weird human being and then why? and then them being bullied. So I get why people are like, I'm just going to be normal and you're going to be normal and we're not going to deal with anything else. And your kid's still going to be bullied for doing a really normal thing because somebody else is going to decide that that's the thing to pick up. Yes, but I feel like you're statistically less likely to get bullied if you're not like, you know, howling at the moon or like running around on all fours (laughs) or like only eating one type of food. So this is... Here's the deal. Okay, first of all, your child is going to howl at the moon. We've had this conversation. No, I know. Um, I'm, yes, but listen, maybe not in public. <laughs> no. When the child gets bullied, that's when the child picks up the phone and calls their fairy godmother and says, you this kid's been bullying me. And I will say, I'm picking you up after school tomorrow. Let your mom tell the school that I'll be there to pick you up. Suddenly, and Scorpio's really into hexing. Not hexing, <laughs> just scaring the shit out of little kids that want to bully another little kid that's all listen all you got to do is big hat you know me just one little yeah Mm -hmm. and that's the end of the bully phone calls from other people's parents like who was that woman and why is she don't worry about it if your child's not doing anything wrong that woman is not a problem oh my god that's the end of it i'm gonna be like what woman what are you talking about she got on the bus there was by herself like what oh my god no, I think I, that... I get it. I'm just saying yeah. to all of you out there who became normies after you had children, I understand the pressure. And like, I the feeling too. of wanting to be normal for that reason. I get it. I, I still find it very boring. Yes. But it, you're okay to be normal. Like I said, I do have... Um, actually, no, I have two friends who had kids. that, But, you know, the others... Um, I don't, I don't want to hear about your new washer dryer and your, you know, the hours that you spend taking your kid to ballet is just kind of like, uh, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, keep your hobbies, guys. Like, please do not make your child your entire life. You're still a human being. Love yourself. And I still say it's important to the child. The child should see that there's life. There are people in their 20s, I saw on Instagram, that are, like, worried about life now because they feel that, like, it's all over once you hit a certain number. And if, But that's what society has told you. Yes. You reach a certain age and it's over for you. Now it's all about your child and you should just wither and die. Yes. And just be the helicopter parent and just... Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I think children are way healthier when parents are full people and that they can enjoy yeah. that and share with your child, you know, that that'll help you grow, your child grows. It's a beautiful thing. This is such a weird way that we've done this because this was like, I can't stress enough. We don't like plan these conversations when we get on the podcast. We're just talking yeah, to each no. other. But yeah. like, what a fantastic segue into a book that is all yeah. about like finding your personal identity yes. and grounding yourself in your magical reality. Like, yeah, moms, read this book. Yeah. It's yeah. got some very helpful advice if you're feeling like you're not separate from your family. So let's dive in. And let's we know we always it. dive in with a quote because I love my quotes in the beginning. Yes. Glamour is the perfect tool for a revolution. Because a revolution is started with a whisper, not a gunshot. Um, you know, I think about society now. Yeah. And all the revolutions that are happening, good and bad. I guess they're not even revolutions. There are terrorists and there are people that are starting revolutions. And um, the revolutions, some of them are very loud, but a lot of them are just really quiet with people acting, yeah. with people doing the right thing. So... It's pretty cool. And of course, glamour. When we think of glamour, we think about TV shows. We think about, the, yeah. when you never saw it, The Craft, where, you know, she touches her head and now she's a blonde or her hair color is different. I mean, her eye color is different. And, you know, she even talks about that, that there. It's like, um, yeah. it's called dye and it's called contact lenses. Like, yeah, that's not easier. what glamour is about. Yeah. yeah. Which, something we've always said, like the mundane way might be the best way to go about doing something. But. Yeah. Um, so what's glamour? So she talks about it as two ways. You have to find the thing that makes you exciting and interesting to other people and, uh, or an illusionary spell, which is a waste. That's the part that she says is a waste. Yeah. So she says, witches work from the first one, which is what makes you exciting and interesting to others and working off of that. I highlighted a bunch of things. I okay. think this first section is, it felt a little rough to me when I first started reading it because it, it kind of like dances around the subject a little bit. Um, she okay. spends a good chunk of the time talking about being a good witch or a bad mm. witch. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that she took a moment to specify that this wasn't like a gendered thing. That the, yeah. the good girl and the bad girl, the good witch and the bad witch are archetypes. Um, mm. And you can fill that archetype regardless of what your your gender is. Um, mm-hmm. That it's, a, it's an idea, not a gender that's forced upon you but i do think that this section starts by her just kind of giving us like well glamour isn't this and glamour isn't that and glamour isn't Mm this um but as you get deeper into the book i think you appreciate the way that she phrases this and and especially discusses the other because it gives you much more context and it explains better the path that she's taking you on she's not just Mm -hmm. writing a book about glamour to be like all right here's your pretty spells Here's how you make men fall in love with you. She has really grounded this into 
her own personal framework and into a concept of glamour that I think is much more appropriate for a modern practitioner. It's about this great work, this personal goal, or even like centering identification that you have and how can you make that a reality for yourself. Um, So almost glamour, almost truly glamour as an illusionary spell, but in the sense that you are creating the illusion of the thing that you want until that thing is reality. So like if you get frustrated in here, definitely just keep going because she is giving you the groundwork. She's explaining the basics before she gets to that what really is glamour kind of moment. I also think it's important what you said about the good girl, bad girl thing is, you know, one of the things that's considered bad is what we want, right? Manifesting what we want. And that's always seemed, well, not to everybody, but to a lot of the wish community, you know, we shouldn't be going after personal gain. You know, we shouldn't be going after things we want. And it's something we have to really break away from because what we want is not necessarily bad. Like, yeah, if you want to, I don't know rob somebody or do something that's you know just bad in general then that's a bad want no matter whether you're a witch or not a witch so um unless it's jeff bezos you're allowed to want to rob jeff bezos and not only uh rob him but what what do you want to do there you go okay <laughs> you haven't said I'm that gonna, in a really long time the cops are gonna come to my house and be like excuse me but you're threatening this man and it's like no no no, everybody knows that I have no follow through. It's not, I'm not going to do it. I just wish that he would be useful is all. I just hope nothing ever happens to this man because then you're going to be questioned. You're going to call me from jail. I'm going to jail. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Let me just say on the podcast, I don't actually wish any harm on Jeff Bezos. I just hate him and everything he does. There you go. Okay. Um, Just to set the record straight. Um, So, yeah, so she says, she even says it's controversial, um, Mm -hmm. but in actuality, why can't we talk about what we want, you know? And then she also goes on to say, witchcraft was never designed to make us safe or comfortable. Witchcraft was created to shake up the world, both externally and internally. And I really like that. Yes. Um, You know, And I think this really speaks to things that we've talked about in the past, this idea that people just pick up a spell or they read a spell and they they just go to do it without any thought as to what is the culture behind the spell? What is the tradition behind the spell? What is the work that the people have put into Mm -hmm. this tradition before they even wrote the spell? You're just taking a spell off the internet, doing it, and then saying, I'm a witch. I don't know. My practice isn't going well. That's not practice. Yeah. That's just mimicking. (laughs) It's literally not practice. It's not practice at all. So I think that when you tell people you have to do the work, it does make people uncomfortable because then it means there's nobody there to hold your hand and say, this is a hex. This is a good spell. This is what you do. No, no, no. Witchcraft is about reading a lot, listening to people, and then saying to yourself, what do I believe? What works for me? And then yeah, like nobody else can be your moral compass and nobody else should judge you for what you've decided your moral compass is going to be. But once you go in, you go in. Um, so I think I like that she says that because I think many people would see this book and go, oh, glamour magic. This is going to be fun. Like you said, I'm just yeah. going to do a spell and I'm going to be like all pretty or whatever you want to be. Um, and that's not what she's talking about at all. At all. So, you know, and I, and I really love that. So 
um, she talks about the great work, your great work. That's yes. what we focus on in this book, what you want your great work to be. I think that she makes, first of all, I just love this idea that she's like, you're going to create your own philosopher's stone. Like, even if it's just a metaphor, that's super mm-hmm. fun. I I did alchemy in college. That was sort of the crux of my practice. Mm-hmm. And being able to conceptualize that in a way that I could still use it now is always really fun to me. I love being able to pull in stuff that I've already researched. But like, the Philosopher's Stone makes you immortal. And so the idea of you creating a legacy through your magic, your great work is your legacy, and thus you are immortal through it, feels really powerful. Yeah. And it's a great juxtaposition between the way we normally, I think, conceptualize of glamour, which is frivolous mm-hmm. and, and again, pretty, and puts it into the context of something that is like a, a deeply transcendent experience. Right. So she says to break down your great work, right? In other words, to make sure that you stay on task, one thing is you should tell folks. You should tell folks what you're doing. So if you're applying yes. to medical school, you tell people, right? It's going to keep you accountable, yes. she says, which I like. Uh, break yes. it down to manageable parts. And, you know, what, yes. one of the things that I like about it, you know, I just mentioned medical school, but she does talk about doing the mundane work to help the glamour. Like you can't mm-hmm. just say, I did a spell. I'm not going to apply now because the medical schools just know because I did the spell. Like no, you still have to apply. You still yeah. have to take your tests. You still have to get your letters of recommendation. You have to do all these things. The yeah. glamour will help that, but you still have to do the work. You know, talking about, oh, wait, and the third thing was to be disciplined and committed. I didn't want to just leave it at that. Those are the three parts she says. Yes. But I also want to go back to what you were saying about kids and about being bullied. She says, here's another quote that I love. Make no mistake, we are other. Yeah. We can. We try to fit in, right? We do things like we join the PTA, you buy a house, you have a baby, but we're not like everybody else. So this whole idea about pretending that we can fit in, we're not going to fit in. Yes. doesn't matter. Okay? Correct. We're going to stick out, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because even when I really, and there was a time, when I desperately tried to fit in because I thought, okay, I'm committing. I'm moved to the suburbs. I'm going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like, I had my natural brown hair color. And no. yeah, I had not my, I did not dye my hair. It was just brown. Yeah. And I just dressed like you have, I, I have pictures. <laughs> I have pictures. I, I, I don't like to show those pictures because I'm like, what was I doing? I, you know, it was also after 9-11. Yeah. So I was all kinds of like crazy. And, but the thing is, you're going to stick out. How do I know? And I think I've said this on the podcast before. When I went somewhere and I said, you know what? I can't stand my hair. And this, this woman is amazing. She, she cuts hair in New Jersey. Um, it's, we love New Jersey on this podcast. Right? It's, uh, wait, Good Trouble Studios. Um, is she, she has a salon. She used to have one here in the lower Hudson Valley, but she is a force to be reckoned with. And, um, we'll even post it on the, uh, she does a lot of good work. So we'll post that also on, on the gram. But she just looked at me and was like, no. And she cut my hair and she gave me these little baby bangs. And then my hair was dyed blue, black. And I went into school and a ninth grader looked at me and went, that's you. And I went, what? Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, that's you. And I realized, like, yeah, even when you're trying your hardest to not look like the weirdo, like, we are the weirdos. And that's it. We're other. And we have to just enjoy that and accept that. 
Yeah, I never looked back after that. When that kid said that to me, I was like, yeah, I like who I am, like, I could be wearing anything. And my mouth and my what I believe is going to come out. So why, why pretend that I don't, this is not who I am. So yeah. Um, and of course, a witch who's part of the other, she says, is expected to work harder to prove themselves um, and their power. So what? Yeah, I say, work harder. I think we work hard anyway. Well, I think that's really important because that last piece that she says, that last thing, be consistent, be disciplined. Mm-hmm. What does constant work mean? Is such an important question for every witch because mm. I think, I think a lot of us, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna include myself. Like a lot of us, including me, sometimes wear witch as an aesthetic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I. We will have to discuss this on another podcast in depth. But mm-hmm. Part mm-hmm. <laughs> part of I have an oath to Eris the goddess of discord because i am an idiot um but part of that oath is i'm dumb like i do not suggest anybody does that it's a bad idea but it's been an incredibly powerful experience for me because the oath really is hard work like Mm. do your work every day do something and it changes the way you approach the world in a really powerful way because I think a lot of us are afraid of consistency and we we talked about it on the last podcast how I'm like afraid of putting down roots but having consistency in your life makes you stronger in every way physically if you're consistent in working out you get stronger mentally it makes your brain better magically it makes you a better witch so I think that that being part of the step to your great work is so key like you can't just tell people and do all the right steps you have to be working even a little bit every single day you know that's one of the things i like about the podcast is that we read books and we're getting into the books now that maybe i would not have picked up um but the thing is i want to read about everything i mean i want to pick up books more books by people like Aleister Crowley. I want to read more about Freemasonry and yeah. different secret societies. I want to read about, you know, other traditions that maybe aren't considered witchcraft, right? Yes. But there are other magical traditions. Like, that's how we kind of, because I always want to question myself. And that's one of the things that I like about the interviews. And when we get to ask people about their yes. witchcraft, you know, um, there's so many ways to approach this that, for me, doing the work is to never stop learning, you know, and doesn't just mean read a book and go, okay, that was cute. It's about reading it and really asking myself, does this make me uncomfortable? Why? Yes. Should I relook at what I'm doing? Maybe they have a point. Maybe I have to sit with this idea and not continue with the book until I've had it, until I've really had a chance to like think about it and absorb it and then decide what I feel about it when it comes out the other end. You know what I mean? Like just really go with it. Yeah. So to me, that's, part of the work more than putting together a bunch of spells that's the work for me is just figuring out spirituality in general period right not in a religious sense i just mean as a witch like what is spirituality what what does have a spirit what has a soul what do we mean when we say something has a soul you know there are a lot of people who attribute and i do that to a certain extent to inanimate objects right i'm not talking about a crystal but you know like, I have toys that 
were given to me by my brother when I was like four. I don't even remember getting it. And I really don't have any use for it, but I can't get rid of it. There are things that I cannot get yes. rid of because I feel that there's something to them, you know? Um, and it could be something that I bought. It could be something that I bought for like a quarter. Like people can't see it, but I have that little witch oh, that was crocheted. So poster. She's just adorable. But there's something about her that I just feel... She's like a little troll doll because she has these hairs coming out of her head. I just, I don't know. There's something about her that I'm very attached to. And I think I'd be very uh-huh. upset if I if I didn't have her. But in the grand scheme of things, what is it? It's just something crocheted. Um, yeah. So I just think that that's what, the, that's what putting in the work for me. And I, that's yeah. why I feel like there's always work to be done. Because I'm never going to be done learning something new and trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um. There's another quote that I really like. Witchcraft is a tool of the oppressed to find an advantage in a world that has given us significantly less advantage than others. Going back to the kids and being bullied in school, mm-hmm. um, the odd kids, the kids that did have something said to them. Those kids, at least the ones that I know, the ones that I know and speaking for myself as well, I think they just grew up to be more resilient, stronger, more, they worked harder, more intelligent adults. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think that, to me, the bullies are the ones that became the football players and they follow the rules and, you know, like you can't go out of this. You can't go out of their box because they're uncomfortable. And the others are the ones that have developed different interests and did different things and tried something new and... I don't know, have fun in their careers. They're not just going in and, yeah. you know, hey, it's fantasy football time now or it's March Madness. Hey, what are you guys doing? Look, I worked on Wall Street for a while. Like, I saw them all, you know, all the, the worker bees. You know, they're they're the kids yes. that would bully other kids. You know, somebody else is a weirdo, you know? I yeah, don't know. I, when I distill down this book, mm-hmm. Glamour Magic is a book written for people like us. Right, like yeah. you and me, and like the people who are listening to our podcast about reclaiming your power yes. after society has made you feel like you don't deserve it. Yes. I want to just bypass that in the children. I want, I wish that we could just skip the part where they defang themselves, where they try to fit in, where they are treated like shit. <laughs> for being who they are. Like I, I, I don't want them to have to be stronger or more resilient. Like I just want them. And so I think that maybe part of it is that we, the adults need books like these to give us the context, to remind us, to empower us so that we can then empower the young people and be supportive of the young people instead of doing that thing that sometimes parents do where they stop being cool and they're like nope i gotta be a normie now i have normal interests and a normal life i mean forget the parents who probably have a lot of pressures of raising children also we have to cut them some slack in that but you know as as educators i get so angry when a a student and i i teach seniors so i don't teach little kids but i get angry when they tell me things that happened in elementary school and i always say what did your teacher do they didn't do anything. Did they see it? Yeah, they saw it. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I want to march into those rooms and say, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, why are you letting students down? 
Like, that makes me angry. As an educator, yeah. that makes me angry. You know, um, you know how I've always been with the clubs. Like, I'm, I'm cool. I can, you know, we all joke around. But the minute somebody comes at my club, like another advisor mm-hmm. or something, like I'm the first one who's like, you better back off. Like, you know, my kids are smart. My kids can write. Yes. My kids can express themselves. They create a journal. Like, you better just back off. What do your kids do? They don't do anything. And we've had problems with other clubs. Because it's like, don't come at me. If you have a bully club... Yeah. Where your only interest is like one particular thing, but you're not really developing anything. Don't come at my club, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and so I don't think it's just the parents. I think that we have to look at all adults, whether they're the parents or whether they're the teachers or whether they're other just members in society, you know, who are looking at kids and expecting something from them. And how do you forget what it was like to be that age? Like I don't forget yeah. what it was like. And like you said, who wants that Never. for the next generation? I'm just being realistic and saying it's yeah. going to happen, you know? Maybe. I'm hoping. I always hope that the next generation that has children changes it. You know what I mean? Yes. I always hope that it gets better. But unfortunately, as an educator, I've seen too many kids just tell me things where, like, teachers aren't stepping up. Do you know what I was told? Okay, this is probably going off subject, but I don't care. So I was told <laughs> by a student, um, okay, so I asked them. I'm like, what would you like to see change? And they said more social social and um, development, like more social, emotional learning. Emotional stuff, yeah. For teachers. Yes. And I couldn't agree more. I Yeah, I absolutely so, agree. So I guess I just want to say we're not attacking parents because I think it's a tough job. I think it's not easy. And I think, you know, like you said, people want to do the best by their kids. So they're going to let their interests go. They're going to want to protect their kid. But you know what? If you're other, that's going to come out no matter what. And I think that by you being yourself with your kids, your true self, I don't know. I think it gives them a good base. You know, I just think it gives them a place where they know that they can be strong. But that means that every adult has to step up too. And I think, I don't know. I was going to say teachers need to be themselves, but I think some of them are themselves and they're nasty ass people, but that's beside the point. Okay. Let's keep going with the book before I I rant about. (laughs) So I want to mention, first of all, I love the esoteric experiments that she does. I want to do every single one of them. I think they're super cute. Mm -hmm. Um, But really quick before we do that. Yeah. Your actions have consequences. There's a whole section in this book about how, yeah, listen, take back your power. Do what you got to do. Your morality guides you, but also your actions have consequences and you need to be aware of that and you need to consider that. And that's important. So like, I think that sometimes we as teachers and as other are so aware of the consequences of our actions that we're kind of paralyzed and like don't make Mm -hmm. certain decisions because we know what could happen. So I want the other people, (laughs) maybe the people who are less aware of that to take a step back a little bit and be like, what could be happening what could happen if I take these choices, if I do these actions? Like, there, every choice you make is a butterfly effect in the lives yeah. of everyone around you. You have to, and we've said this on the podcast before, and we'll say it again, you have to take responsibility for the things that you do. And if you are not comfortable with the choice that you're making, don't do it. Right. right? Do not make an action that is antithetical to what you believe because that action ripples. Even if it's a very small ripple, it has consequences and you need to consider those magically and mundanely as well. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, every time you gain back to teaching, maybe this, I don't know why I'm <laughs> going back to teaching, but I feel like every time I'm in front of a classroom, I have to be my authentic self. I also have to, you know, read the room. Yeah. You know, if a kid looks off to you asking that child privately, are you okay? Yeah. Do you need help? Do you need me? You know, um, I think that there's still too many adults and I'm not blaming all teachers. just like I wasn't blaming all parents, but you know, like you said, the ripple effect, how you act students, even though they may seem like teenagers and they may seem like they're not paying attention, even if you're outside in the world, I'm not talking about in the classroom, how you act, they're absorbing all of it. All of it. They're seeing what adulthood is like. You know, and then you complain about how they are. Well, but how, what did they see from you? And again, you may not have any kids, but are you out there in the world acting like trash? Like, what are you doing? You know, so I don't know. I think, what is it? It takes a village. It takes a village. Yeah, I'm going to have a really quick hot take. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm so sorry to everyone. Nothing pisses me off more than people who are like, I hate kids. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to have kids if you don't want kids. You don't have to be around kids if you don't want to be around kids. Yeah. But no child consciously chooses to be on earth, right? Yeah. Spiritually, whatever. But no child chooses it. We bring yeah. them into the world. So the least right. that we can do as adult human beings living on the planet is be decent to children. Right. Like, I... If it's your whole personality to hate kids, I you need therapy. Like, you just do. Yeah. They didn't do anything to you. I'm sorry that they're annoying, but, like, they literally don't have full brains. But do people actually hate kids? Like, I say all the time, oh, I hate kids. You oh, know, and I say it too, but, like, yes, there are people whose whole personality is, like, I hate kids and they're mean to kids and they – it's, like oh, – okay. Or, like, guys at hockey games, this is this is very niche – Guys at hockey games who, when you say to them, like, hey, can you stop cursing? There's a child. And they're like, well, the kid is here, so they need to hear it. And this, you shouldn't have brought them to this advice. Like, just don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. You could be a dick to grown people all you want. Children don't deserve it. They did nothing to you. They just exist. If you hate that, hate it quietly. I'm so creeped out by certain age groups. I like to be able, they either have to be like a baby or have to be able to talk to it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. like a, a weird in between where it's like, they make me yes. nervous and I'm just like, ew, ew, like just, you know, and in mass to them, like a child is one thing. Yeah. I just try to like, you know, did I ever tell you about the time I was going to a, a fight with a father about a kid? All right. So this isn't about school. So I was coming out of a furniture store and you know, sometimes there's like a little vestibule. So I'm coming yeah. out and there was a toddler like by the door. And I was going to open the door and I saw that, thank God, I looked down. Yeah. Saw the toddler. Oh my God, because you could have. I would have just banged it right into. Yeah. So I look up and I just, you know, I shook my head and the guy goes, it's, she's just a baby. Why would you shake your head? I said, I'm not shaking my head at the kid. I'm shaking my head at you. You're a terrible father. I said, if I hadn't happened to look down, I would have hit your kid in the head and I would have felt terrible. But ultimately it would have been your fault because you're not being a father. He was going to answer, and the, the mother put a hand on his on his arm because I was right. Moms. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not shaking my head at the kid. I know it's a baby. I also yelled at somebody on a plane too once. There was a kid screaming behind me. Okay, mm-hmm. they left the kid on the floor. The kid couldn't have been more than one year old. Oh yeah, and they went to walk to talk to their friends in another seat. Um, 
the mother was constantly going, I don't want to hold him anymore. Um, what? The baby's scared. The baby doesn't know what a plane is. The baby's uncomfortable. How about you take that into consideration and go on the internet and find out how to travel with a baby so that the baby's not scared and uncomfortable. Okay, whatever. People need to be nice to babies. At the end of the flight, the father goes, you get an F to the kid for flying. You did a bad job. He goes, I really want to apologize. I said, you know what? I said, you disgust me right now, what you just said to your son. I said, you have let your son scream. You don't care what kind of pain and trauma he's going through on this flight. And then you tell him he did a bad job? You did a bad job. Are you kidding me? Do you know that I had people around me going like this? Like, you can't see it on the podcast, but they were like, yes, yes. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's the kid's fault. I love that. It's the baby's fault. Okay, sure. Scorpio, you just have the most immaculate vibes. Just <laughs> just the most perfect vibe. I would like I just, to be you. <laughs> get out of here. But just I just don't like stuff like that. Like, you know. Ugh. Anyway. She talks about Anne Boleyn. Yes, which was cool. Because it's all about falling in love with yourself. And she uses Anne Boleyn as this great example of somebody who was not physically, for her time, considered a beauty. But she was beautiful because she knew how to use glamour, which was what? Her intelligence, her wit. Yes. Right? Um, And that's what made her irresistible. So what she wants you to do is to find that thing that you fall in love with about yourself. So it's not about looking in the mirror necessarily and saying, oh, I love my eyes or something like that. But just saying, what do I like about myself? I like the fact that when I'm not stunned into silence, because that happens to me too. Sometimes people will say something and I have no comeback because I'm just like, is this really even happening? Um, But I like that when I'm not stunned into silence, like I do speak my mind. So if I was going to fall in love with something about myself, I think it would be that. Um... So it's about finding that thing. That's where you're going to start your glamour. That's where you're going to start to look at that angle when it comes to doing your great work, whatever it is. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, Yes. I highlighted the sentence. Mm -hmm. Your glamour won't look like anybody else's. It shouldn't. And I think that goes with what you were saying, but I think it also ties into this idea of like masking. And how a lot of times we put on a mask to fit in. And you can use glamour to slowly replace that mask. So if you're feeling like, you know, I I just don't feel comfortable being myself. I have to try to be like everybody else. Okay, find that one thing that you like and slowly turn that into your mask. Slowly add that into this sort of facade that you've put on. Um, if you're really into fashion, but you're really into like, kind of obscure fashion or avant-garde fashion, slowly add pieces, add a cool belt, add a cool shoe, add a cool jacket, then start putting them together. Like you don't have to go into glamour as an all or nothing thing. We all wear a mask and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if your mask isn't reflecting who you are, that can be traumatizing. That can be the problem. So slowly give yourself the opportunity through your glamour to change that mask into something that is more reflective of the person that you actually are. Yeah. She says that you're entitled to the space your body occupies, but more than that, you are entitled to define beauty as you want to define it and not apologize for either of those things. And I loved that so freaking much. Yes. You know? Um, And when she's talking about 
like what you said, like putting things together, I started to think about how I curate all my looks, like when I put things on. And I know like, if I'm having a tough day, or if I feel like, okay, people are going to come at me today, I need a little bit of something else. I have a ring by my grandmother, when each one of her grandchildren was born, she had a ring made. And they're like these huge statement pieces, it's not like a Mm -hmm. tiny ring. And she would tell you like, this is your ring or whatever. And, um, and so when she passed away, it's my ring. So for me, it's my ring of strength. If I need just a little bit more, because I'm, I'm drained, I may have to go into a meeting I don't want to go to, I may have to deal with people that I really can't stand. I put on that ring, and I walk a little bit straighter, I feel a little bit more confident, because, you know, it's kind of like that idea of like, never forget where you came from, you know, like, whenever you're feeling down, remember whose daughter you are, whose granddaughter you are, and adjust your crown. And that's kind of how I feel when I wear that ring, you know, or if I have a necklace that my mom gave me, like if I'm having a bad day, like Mm -hmm. that's what I wear. And I, you know, I'll touch it throughout the day and be like, that's right, walk a little straighter. You know, you know, whose daughter you are. Um, So I think all of that helps. And that's all part of your glamour. You know, depending, I only have a couple of looks. And I mentioned that before. And once I'm done up, like I do feel differently. You know, I definitely walk differently depending on if I'm all in black that day or whether, you know. So two things we have to talk about because of that. Yes. Yes. First thing is she mentions specifically that Mm. your glamour can be romanticizing something that other people see as bad. You can romanticize your depression. You can romanticize your mental illness. And I think there's a lot of conversation on the Internet about this because like teenagers do this a lot and adults are like don't romanticize it you fucking romanticize your life right if you're doing the work if you're seeing doctors appropriately romanticize your life that's just do it yeah oh yeah don't romanticize it if you're not taking care of yourself that's right that's unhealthy you need to make sure that you're taken care of appropriately but like do it romanticize your life yeah enjoy the life that you're living god um but more importantly I just, that's the thing I had to mention, but yeah, she talks about later in the book, she has like a whole little note where she's basically like, I didn't want, I, I was really nervous about having to write this because I don't want anybody to take it the wrong way, but glamour is more than just the magic. You have to put in effort. If your glamour is going to be about your appearance, curate your appearance. And it doesn't have to be you know, it has to be your style, but curate your style. Wear clothes that fit you. Wear clothes that make you feel cute. Put on makeup. Do your hair the way you want. It all has to be what you want, but do it. And it reminded me, I feel like so many times you've said to me, like, I don't put on makeup for anybody else. I put on makeup for myself. Like, I want to walk out of the house feeling beautiful. And I don't, I don't know if we had a, had had a conversation about, like, somebody else Or maybe I had made the joke that's like, oh, well, I'm married now. Who do I have to impress? And I remember you being like, everyone. (laughs) It's not about your husband. It's not about your partner. You still want to look cute. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, you're right. I think I had to go through like a narrative arc in my life to get there. But I'm at the point now at almost 30 where like, yeah, I do want to look cute every day for me. I do want to put on makeup for me. I think that's a powerful thing. And I like that she has this moment where she's kind of like, listen, guys, do it. Just do it. I'm just nodding my head. Yeah. Are you proud of me? I mean, it is. (laughs) I am. No, but I do see women like I have 
people tell me all the time, like, oh, I just, I, I can't do what you do. Like, how do you get up in the morning and put on makeup? And I thought, you don't have to put on makeup. But if you're not happy because you want to wear makeup, then why aren't you putting on makeup? Or, yeah. you know, if you really wanted to take the time to do a facial so your face glows and you don't wear any makeup and you walk out of the house with chapstick and you put your hair in a ponytail, but you didn't have time. So your hair is all down your face and you feel terrible yeah. because you didn't get a chance to put the mask on. Well, why didn't you? Like, if that's what makes you feel like I'm ready to conquer the world, then you should do those things, whatever the heck yeah. they are. You know, if it's the strawberry chapstick and you only have plain, bitch, get up, go to CVS and get the strawberry chapstick. Like, you know, nobody has to notice what the glamour is, right? Yeah. You have to know that you've used it, which is the same with any spell. When you think about it, nobody has, to, you don't go around saying, I just did a spell for this. Like, you just did it. It's the same thing with your glamour. You just do it. Yeah. Right. Yes, she says, cultivating your own sense of style doesn't just happen. It requires conscious effort. And I feel like the world tells you that it doesn't. The world tells you that you should just automatically know what you want to look like and how you want to dress. And like, no, it really does. It takes a little bit to be like, I like this and I don't like that. I like this kind of makeup and I don't like that kind of makeup. Like, you have to actually, you have to put effort into it. And even even if that effort is... I like when my hair is pulled back out of my face and I'm wearing sports bra and I'm super comfortable. You still have to consciously make that decision. Otherwise, you're just kind of like floating. I feel like we've talked about this too. I hate that. Don't just float. You got to think about your choices. Yeah, it's true. I like that she calls dressing appropriately for work corporate drag. Okay, you know, I've said that as well. Every time you leave the house, you're in some sort of drag if you're going to work because it's whatever's appropriate for that job. But, you know, I also think that we buy into what is appropriate, right? I think that part of the reason that some people say, I don't know what I like is because, okay, you kind of, first you have your clothes picked out by your mother. Then you become a teenager and you're like, woo, you know, I'm just going to pick out all my clothes. Yes. And then you go to college and whatever, you're following some sort of fashion. But after a while... Somebody will tell you what you're wearing isn't fashionable. Or yes. should you be wearing that at your age? I had a friend okay. who threw out all her crop tops when she became a teacher. What? Threw what the them weekend? Out. I don't wear anything but crop tops. I'm in a crop top right now. <laughs> like, I, I, under, I, I get it. Because when you're young, you feel like that's what you have to do. But I was so upset. I was like, what? You're going to want those wow. crop tops back yeah. and they're gone now. Threw them out. Oh, wow. Well, I think she donated them, but regardless, she got rid of her crop tops. I was like devastated. Mm. I'm trying to think if I ever got rid of, I mean, I got rid of stuff that I regret, but I really thought I was never going to wear it again. And then now I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't have gotten rid of some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I definitely think that there is this pressure. So what happens is, Um, And I think this is across all genders. I think that there's this idea of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. So you get to a certain age, whenever that is, it could be 40 for some people, it could be 25 for others, where you go, I don't even know where I fit. Like, I don't even know what I should be wearing, right? Instead of of actually Mm -hmm. saying, what do I feel comfortable in? Yes. You know, what is it that I really like, you know? And I had this conversation with somebody who's also an elder goth, because that's like become a thing. Um, And it's just nice to be able to use that term. Like, 
elder yeah. girl. Like, I, I'm not going to dress like other women my age because I didn't like, I didn't want to dress like them when I was younger. Why would I want yes. to dress like them now? You know, yes, I tried is. that. I tried the corporate drag. Um, I never liked the way I looked when I was going to work in corporate America. I mean, I had to yeah. wear a suit, but it was like, this is what I wear. And, you know, all the piercings came out and... Um, and that whole thing with the holes are closed. The holes never close. Um, that's for me. They just never did because it was years later that I was like, I'm going to try to put all my rings in and like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. they all go in. I mean, a little bit of difficulty on some kick cases, but they're all yeah. there. Um, you know, so I just think that people have to really sit and think about what is it makes them happy. And I think especially after the year that we've all had. Why wouldn't this be a wonderful time to pick up this book and say, you know what? What makes yes. me happy? What's going to make me powerful? Yes. Especially if you we made it, right? So far, we have made it. People who are listening have made it through this time. You know, not everybody can say that. And it's a really terrible t thing. A lot of people are still struggling with illnesses yeah. that have just never gone away. Um, no matter where you are, you've made it. And you have to celebrate that. Because yes. The world's just not that sh not that long, you know? Like, you'll be yeah. gone before you know it. Like, you, what's going to make you powerful now? In anime, there's a there's a lot of um, time skips that happen where, mm -hmm. like, the, the story starts and then, like, it'll the next season will jump five years later. Uh, I have decided to treat the remainder of the pandemic as my time skip. So oh. none of this counts in the narrative. And when we come out into, like, quote-unquote regular life for real for the first time, I will look like... A different character um i'm going to like have the style that i want i'm going to have the hair that i want like it's i'm this is my time skip i am jumping forward to a new character design that i think is more streamlined and more appropriate with my interests and i can use this external glamour checklist that deborah put in the book which i think is amazing because not only is she talking about like what condition are your clothes in do they fit you do you feel comfortable in them but also are you drinking water? Did yes. you brush your teeth? <laughs> Did you comb your beard? Like, this checklist, honestly, is fantastic. And if you're thinking about doing a time skip, use this. Because it gives yeah. you some guidelines to help you conceptualize and understand what it really means to curate your personal style. Right. Um, I, I read the like have you been to the dentist are you brushing your teeth thing and i was like you know what i'm gonna get new toothpaste i don't like the toothpaste that we've been using i'm gonna get one that i like that's such a simple change that like i wouldn't have thought could be part of glamour oh but yeah. it is right i feel better if i have like the spicy mint kind of, like the mint that I makes exactly your mouth kind of burny so i, I want to exactly have that in mean. the house yeah and like oh, no, easy for step. me for me i love Having, yeah, like my deodorant, the deodorant that I really yes. like, the toothpaste, the soap. I just got a couple of new bars of soap at Whole Foods. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. So I'll let you know. But keep like, us updated. I will keep you, I will keep you in the loop. But like all of that to me is so super important from the lotions that I use yes. uh, on my body. I mean, okay, so I could use body oil from any place. You know, I like to shop small, but there's nothing like putting on seances and bombing oil in porcelain which is my favorite scent it's like baby powder yeah. like to me it's like when I put the drops on my skin and I massage my legs it's like it's like yeah it, all of that is glamour all of that is yeah. pumping you up right 
Um, and it's not conceited and it's not that you think you're, you know, all that. It's just, yeah, I am, I'm great. We're all great. I feel like for so long, especially women, but no, you know what? Roll that back. For so long, especially men have been told by society, you're not allowed to care about your appearance, right? Women, you have to care a little bit, but if you care too much, you're vain. Men, you shouldn't care at all. You just put on clothes, you call it a day. People of any other gender, society has no idea what to do with you. Yeah. But but caring about your appearance is important. It's, it's caring about your body. When your body looks good, it's because you're taking care of it. And you deserve to live in a body that is being taken care of. Like, it feels stupid to have to say that out loud. I know. I feel like an ass. But we have to say it out loud. And I think that, going back to the parenting thing, I think that's a thing that happens to moms all the time. I think that's why mom genes existed. Right? Moms get to this point where they're so busy and they're, they're focused on their kids and I think about my mother, who for years wore clothes that she hated and was, you know, uncomfortable in the way that her body felt. And it wasn't until we became adults that she decided she really wanted to get into exercise. She wanted to be strong. She wanted to be stylish. She's so much happier. And it, it is physically painful to me to think about a world where so many people have been told that giving a shit about themselves is bad fuck that shit (laughs) love yourself first take care of your body first treat yourself with respect first because you're all you ever have that's absolutely true but let's just also say something else about moms and mom jeans the stretchy ones that you just pull on they were onto something they have changed my life they were pandemic they were on pull to something. On, pull on pants are the best thing. You don't have to struggle with a button or the zipper. The zipper gets caught. Nope. I'm pulling on my pants and I'm going on my way. And yes. I'm not looking back. Okay? Just putting that out there. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I also like that she says is you need empathy and glamour to be an unstoppable yes. force. You need both. And I think that that's really important because, again, we're not talking about becoming self, self-absorbed. self It's not like now it's all about you and your great yes. work. No. You also have to have empathy for other people if this is going to work, if you're going to achieve your great work. Because, again, you're not working in a vacuum. You're working with other people, right? And sometimes you have to deal with people that you don't like or you think don't like you or whatever and you still need to work together to get things done so empathy goes a long way that's something i think is really missing in our society it's very evident how missing empathy is um so i like that she put that in there that was so yeah so key no we were going to talk about the experiments yes i love them but we didn't talk about what they were. I think we just mentioned one. I know Uh, so throughout I, i said i want to talk about them and then we changed the subject entirely But I think people should know. So within every chapter, you have an esoteric experiment. And she says you should do them in order. Like, don't jump around and say, oh, I don't want to do this one. It's all part of the work. And it's kind of like, I almost feel like they're like journal entries, like things that you do, and then you would write down to reflect on. 
That's really how yes. she wants you to use this. So I think that that was really useful and really helpful. So, you know, for people who are like, I'm going to read this book and then like, how do I even work on this? You don't have to worry about it. She's got you. She's yeah. going to give you little exercises to do and to work on throughout the book. So I think, I thought that was fantastic. And they, they're really honestly very good. Like sometimes I think that um, people who write these books just like add things in for fun or whatever. But I think that these really fit each sort of arc that she talks about and really give you the opportunity to align yourself with these energies that she's explaining. So like, I'm going to do them. I think they're really cool. Yeah. I'm definitely going to do these esoteric experiments. I like them a lot. <laughs> I like that she calls them experiments because, you know, experiments sometimes fail and that's okay. Right? Yes. It's what did you learn from everything? I think that's the most important thing. I think this is the type of book that you want to take with you. Um, I mean, you could take this with you if you were going to go to the beach or hiking in the mountains and sit and yeah. read. But it's all about you. And it's about you being honest with yourself because no one's going to judge you on how you decide your glamour should be or how what your great yes. work should be. Right. But it's about taking that time for you. This really is about self-care, this book. So witchy self-care right? Spiritual yes. self-care, the practice self-care. And at the same time, like you said, drink water, do the mundane things. She doesn't separate the mundane from the yeah. spiritual, right? Witchcraft is about working in all worlds. So um, yes. I thought that was really good. She also has a bibliography in the back, which I would think you would have mentioned because you're, you're a bibliography girl. Yeah. I know. I, you know what the thing is? I didn't expect to like this book. I really thought that I was going to pick up this book and it was going to be frivolous and it was going to be, you know, like spells and stuff. So I was I was taken aback in the best way possible when I was reading it. I was like, this is actually really valuable content. And so I wasn't even paying attention. There's a, there's a part in here. She talks about, um, I don't know, how to, cosmesis. Oh, yeah, cosmesis because mm -hmm. it's where cosmetics come from, which is a Greek um, practice that I did not know about. You did? I did not know about it so Ooh. at all. So the idea that this book that I went into assuming was going to suck, not only was a fantastic read, but also included information from my own religion that I was not aware of, like 10 out of 10, she could have had no bibliography and I still would have been like, you guys should read this book. <laughs> so she basically did like, everything that you would want in a book. Yeah. And I was so surprised yeah. because I feel like I've moved into a phase of my life where I'm trying to like really analyze these like deep spiritual concepts and glamour felt like it wouldn't be that, but it is like this book yeah. really asks you to cut to the core. And I love, I love that. I love it. Yeah. It really made me think about the choices that I make when I, and I think that to a certain degree you do the same thing too. Like, you know, we joke around and we have pictures on Instagram about our claws. But our claws, we know, symbolize something yes. to the outside world. When people see us, especially some of the colors yes. that we choose to do our nails and the way we choose to shape our nails or the way we choose to color our hair. Yes. So I think that for a lot of us, we're aware on some level of what the energy is that we're sending out. Right? I think this yes. book just helps you to harness that energy and to also think about, like a chess game, what is your next step? right? If you know how to harness yes. this, if you know how to use this to your advantage, what else can you be doing? What else can you throw into your arsenal? Um, 
so yeah, it's just, it's a great book. I definitely recommend it. I, I think it's a great book. I think the reason why I said when you go to the beach or something like that, because I'm thinking to spend time on yourself, you need the time to read this book and to start working on it. I don't think it's something yes. you want to do in a very hectic schedule. So if you do have downtime, that's the best time I think to really- yes. I think you should go on a getaway. I think this book is the kind yeah. of thing that you do on like a personal vacation. Yeah. Like if, if it was just me alone on a beach, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Even if in a hotel, this, this book really requires a liminal space. Oh, here we go. There we go. Look, Look she's so smug. Previous episodes. I, I wish people could 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 see her. She just got this I know. smug look on her face. I was so proud of myself. Yeah, it was good though. But, but you're it does. right. It requires a little bit of liminality. So, but don't let that like scare you away. If you're like, oh, I don't think I can do that. You know what? I mean, even if it's just five no. minutes at night before yeah. you go to bed, but give yourself that time. This is a book that you definitely want to read quietly reflectively and do the different experiments she has in there because i think i think it's really good and if you do uh read the book yeah. and do all that you know let us know let us know how it goes for you we'd love to hear it yes. i know i'm gonna i'm gonna be referring to, uh, back to this book over the summer i think when we have summer break i may want to do some of those again and just really you know refocus before the next school year for sure yeah this was super fun it was and the next episode and i we never talk about it i'm not going to do it now because we haven't recorded it yet, obviously. Um, yes. But it's it's connected to this. It's connected to glamour and feeling good. And I may have posted something that could be seen as glamorous. So I may give you a hint as to who we might be talking to in the next podcast. So that's all I'm going to say, other than I'm super excited mm -hmm. for it. Um, I just think we're, we've been really lucky. We're talking to some really great people, people that we like, period. Like it's not even just that we're curious about, yes. but people that we also like. Yeah. So that's been, uh, that's been great. So yeah, I think that's, that's it. Thumbs, two thumbs up, two clawed thumbs up from yeah. <laughs> which space. Two on clawed thumbs up. <laughs> um, thank you, of course, for listening to us and giving us the opportunity to do this. We definitely want to hear from you. If you're liking our podcast, if you're liking the books, Maybe don't tell us if you're not liking it because I'm fragile. No, I want to know. You know, I like compliments. Oh, stop. All right. So if <laughs> tell you don't Scorpio like something, if you're mad. tell Scorpio, um, you know, there's something. But also tell us if there's something you think we should read and read on the podcast or yeah. somebody that we should talk to. Like, let us know. We want to know what you're thinking. So if there's something that's really interesting to you that maybe we haven't even thought of, because there's so much when it comes to witchcraft yeah. that... Uh, you know, I, we know there are pockets that we haven't explored yet. And we're, I think Glamour was one of them. So, you know, we'll keep on exploring. Yeah. Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And of course, if you're following the moons, you're following us.